Hi everyone, great to have you with me. It's Brian here from the Franchise Radio Show. Thanks for joining us. Another really fascinating day. We've got a uh, contributor today, uh, Ben Cleary. Ben Cleary Corradini is co-founder of Knocky Knocky Brothers. Um, as you know, we love you bringing you these stories of emerging franchisors and particularly through these testing times as we're getting in 2020, 2021 and so on. So I'm sure you'll find lots of things that are of interest with what Ben has to say. So a quick reminder, have a pen and paper ready so you can take some notes. And for those of you uh, who are interested in listening to this again, for our members, it will be in our members vault area. And of course, it's wherever you find a good podcast on iTunes, um, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Ben Cleary Corradini is co-founder and director of Knocky Knocky Brothers. Uh, he's been working in the business since they established it in 2015. And with his business partner, Theo Rodana, uh, designed the Knocky Knocky Brothers franchise system and have grown the business, business from one of just two people, Ben and Theo, um, to its current operation, which we'll learn about. It includes a centralised production kitchen, seven restaurant locations, a mobile catering division. And, and Ben and Theo have drawn on their background experience, really, um, with their own specialities to do this. Quite an, achieve, quite an outstanding achievement. Ben draws on 10 years in corporate management. He worked uh, with PwC as a management consultant and general manager as well in other roles in the public sector. He's got a small, certainly a strong small business entrepreneurial experience. He founded and operated and, and grew an Italian food and wine importation and distribution business previously. He's well qualified. He has a Bachelor of Commerce from the University of Wollongong and a Master of Business from University of Queensland, Queensland Business School. So, Ben, welcome to the Franchise Radio Show. Lovely to have you here. Thanks very much, Brian. It's a pleasure. Um, so, um, Franchising Against the Odds, Knocky Knocky Brothers Story is the title of today's uh, session. So, um, I'd like to just perhaps go into a little bit of the origin. So, could you just explain for our listeners what Knocky Knocky Brothers do and what, what makes them different, what makes them tick? Sure, absolutely. So, Gnocchi Gnocchi Brothers is a fast casual Italian restaurant chain. Um, and what makes us different is we're um, the only gnoccheria um, of our kind in Australia. So gnoccheria basically is an Italian word which, which describes what we do. We're a, we're a location, we're a restaurant that serves one dish and only one dish, and that is gnocchi as the uh, protagonist dish, as the signature dish. Um, we don't do other types of pastas. We don't do pizza. We just stick to the ethos of doing one thing really, really well, and um, and that is gnocchi for us. Right, and, and why why gnocchi? What got you? What got you into that? What was a little bit of the background, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, gnocchi is a very Theo and I believe that gnocchi was a very underrated Italian dish because when you think of gnocchi, and you haven't had the benefit of having a beautiful homemade dish of gnocchi that, and, that Nyonna made or, you know, that's been passed on through generations, sometimes it can be quite disappointing. If you try the gnocchi from supermarkets, for example, it is usually very sort of stodgy and it's just a terrible dish. But gnocchi, when it's done properly, when it's done freshly um, with really good quality uh, ingredients, it's it really is um, a, a, a wonderful dish that, that is basically what Italian cooking is all about. Fresh ingredients, um, real homely um, flavours and tastes. Um, and when done right, which is 
which is the way we do it, um, it's it's very very enjoyable. So I must we, say, look, yeah, yeah, I I was uh, president of a athletic organisation, well, a jogging club <laughs> that I'm a member of. Athletic association is a bit of a grand name, but I took uh, our committee along uh, eighteen months ago when Ben opened one of his outlets, probably a year ago actually. Um, in, in Southport in Queensland. And I must say, everybody was delighted and quite shocked, quite surprised at it. So, knocking your how did you start the, the, the operation? What was the evolution to where you are now with your, you know, with your, your, your number of um, seven outlets? Yeah, it was definitely an evolution. It was, um, we, we didn't really, we didn't really start out with what we've currently got as the end goal, um, to be honest with you. We started out of, pure fun and let's give something a shot and let's try something. So by way of backgrounds, before um, Gnocchi Gnocchi Brothers, I ran a small um, import business. So it was a food and wine Italian import business. So I'd run my wares around um, markets, around um, delis, into distributors, and it was a, it was a pure distribution model. Um, and we found that um, I, I got to meet Theo, who was one of my favourite clients, um, as he was running the restaurant Grappino, his family restaurant at the time. So we became mates, we became good friends, and and we were both quite entrepreneurial. So we thought, why don't we try something down at the markets, which I already had a position in. Um, so every second Wednesday, um, the markets are on every Wednesday. So every second Wednesday, we would try gnocchi. And then every other every other Wednesday, we'd try selling what I'd continue to sell my Italian wares. And it was pretty fast that we realized that gnocchi was selling a lot better than than my Italian wares. Um, and on top of that, there was there was a whole cash flow benefit of um, making a product um, and, and being able to sell it and have cash in bank the next day, as opposed to um, importing, which is really a very, very long cash conversion rate from when you buy the product to when you sell the product to when you actually get the money back from from distributors or whatnot. So it was an evolution. Um, we we tested and trialled the product at markets at the farmers markets in Brisbane. Um, we and that worked really really well. So we started doing more and more markets. Um, we did more and more festivals as well. So these were festivals that attracted thousands and thousands of people. Um, and and usually they're like music festivals or Italian festivals. So that let us get the name out there really quickly in a big way to a mass amount of people. And it also gave us the confidence to know that, yes, people really do like the taste of this. And this, this is a business in its own right. It doesn't need all the extra bits and pieces that are brought along because I just had so much stock of like, you know, olive oil and wine to sell. And I was just trying to, I was just trying to sell all this other extra stuff off the side, but really people were coming for the gnocchi. So we, we honed our business model. We just focused on Yoki. Um, we, we, we registered the brand. We registered the name. We just started operating as Gnocchi Gnocchi Brothers to the point where we were doing over six markets a week. We had a number of teams that used to go out to different locations and run um, the market setup. Um, and, and the word got around. The, the brand started to build. Our cash flows got very strong. Um, we started saving our, our, our dollars. And we finally took the big leap of faith to open our own um, bricks and mortar gnocchi in Paddington um, in 2016. So that gave us an ability to, to have a shop presence. And from then, that's when it really, really started to, 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 to grow um, in, a, in a big way. 
Yeah, I can certainly testify to that. When I first met Ben, which was about two years ago, we went along one evening for a meal and it's a little premises. It's not many, I don't know, maybe it's 40 square meters. It's certainly quite quite economical inside, a little kitchen, not much eating space indoors, but uh, that expanded across the footpath in front of the shop next door, which wasn't open in the evenings. It was, uh, and it was chock-a-block. It was just full of atmosphere. Anyone that knows Paddington in Brisbane, it is a place with a lot of energy, and it's a bit like other similar suburbs around every capital city in the country. Um, so that was certainly something that was quite stimulating. Well, um, okay, so then you were up and running there, um, you know, for a couple of years, whatever, in Paddington. What gave you ambitions to expand beyond there? And then you looked at franchising. Why did you end up choosing that as the model, Ben? Yeah, so we ran we ran Paddington for probably about a year without doing anything besides really nailing our um, our kitchen model, our um, front of house model, so that we were in a position to to then replicate. And one of the things that made us that pushed us over the edge of going to that next step was we would make the gnocchi in the morning um, in, in Paddington and we'd actually run out of time because we were making such big batches of gnocchi because the demand was so high that it'd push into dinner time service. So, you know, in, in a lot of days where you could see the flour, <laughs> the flour and the potatoes in the backgrounds and, and it looked awesome for customers, but it was just very difficult to run that way. So we decided, this is before we even thought about franchising um we decided we really did need a standalone kitchen a standalone um commissary kitchen a, a centralized kitchen so we we looked for a site we found a site just outside of um the city fringe in everton hills and when we when we took that next step of centralizing all of our production it gave us the ability to really focus on the the restaurants to focus on the customers and to take care of the customers the production happened in a centralised location. Um, quality control was was very high because Theo had he ran his eye over everything, and he was there with his um, team of production staff, um, making sure that all the gnocchi was par excellence. The sauces went out um, perfectly, and that allowed us to then say, "Okay, we, we've got the ability now to have a second location." And then um, we did that. We, we started looking around um, the city and we found um, South Bank as our, as our ideal second location. We opened South Bank. When we opened South Bank, it was a massive step because it was our first second location. It was our second location, but it was our, it was our, it was our first location that we were going to repeat. Um, so we, we, we opened South Bank um, probably only a year later, so it was about 2017, 2018, I think it was. Um, we got confidence that we could do it. We got confidence that the factory model, the centralised kitchen model was working. And then we got confidence that we could actually franchise this business and do um, do it multiple times. So it was, it was that step-by-step -step approach, um, the testing, the not doing anything at the staff of Paddington for 12 months, then getting ourselves organised from a production perspective, then opening South Bank and, and trading well across both Paddington and South Bank, that gave us the confidence to say, yes, we can do it. We can seriously look into franchising. And that's, um, and that's when, we, when we engaged um, um, the master Brian Keane to help us. <laughs> <laughs> I think also uh, takeaway was a big element of your business. 
Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and that's and that became um, probably one of the key success factors for why we were able to grow during COVID when unfortunately a lot of our peers in the industry um, failed and, 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 and in, in, in the worst cases had to close shop. Um, our, from day one, if you think about the way we serve at the markets, it's a takeaway ready to go dish. So we were used to that very high volume, very fast takeaway model. Um, so when COVID hit, it, for us, it was just business as usual. And in fact, what happened is more and more people obviously got online, um, got onto the delivery apps and, and started ordering more and more so than what they did before because they were, they were stuck inside, right? There's nothing else to do. So um, our sales actually in, in certain locations, our sales went up quite dramatically. So we were able to grow sales in certain locations during COVID um, and in other locations, if you want, I can talk about that. The challenges that we had in other locations, we really had to change our business model. Um, yeah, where, sorry to interrupt you. I'd love you to mention about the challenges because that's really what we're all about here is sharing, you know, how yeah. you overcome these things, whether it's COVID or whatever it is, you know, we all face challenges regularly. Absolutely. So, so Paddington during COVID was doing fantastic um, because it was a real takeaway hub it was close to a lot of residential. It was it was already primed for that. Um, one of our other sites, South Bank um, um, and Southport, um, they were suffering. And the reason they were suffering is because the locations that they're in, they're very much focused on the dine-in market as opposed to the residential. There's not a serious concentration of residential around those locations. So their sales, the sales of our stores in those two locations overnight dropped by a good 50%. So what did we do? We, we, we had a few options, as everyone did. We, um, we could just basically close and sit on our laurels and just wait for the storm to pass. We could um, just open for takeaway, which was legally what we were allowed to do, just open for takeaway. Um, or, um, or we could get creative about different ways to earn money. And that's exactly what we did. We, 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 we got together as a team and we thought, how do we increase our sales in this environment by not just thinking of the traditional takeaway model? So we created um, new revenue streams that we hadn't already tapped. So what we did is we um, put all of the writers, sorry, all of the staff that were front of house that we had to, um, that we had to lay off, we, we, we did not lay them off and we put them on the road as our delivery drivers. Oh. We worked with we worked with our website um, developer to enable um, home delivery um, and and home delivery orders using our own drivers, hitting suburbs. And this is the interesting thing: hitting suburbs that Uber Eats wasn't able to hit. So Uber Eats, Deliveroo, they've they've all got about a four k radius from your location, and you can't really hit outside of that radius. So we were able to, and it was quite fun because we put basically a a map up of um, of Brisbane and the Gold Coast on the wall in the shop, and we just—it was like it was like we we're playing war games. We we're like, we're going to attack this suburb and this suburb and that suburb, <laughs> and we picked and we picked up sixty suburbs that we weren't already delivering to, and um, that created a massive increase in sales. Um, it kept our guys employed. 
We didn't qualify for JobKeeper because of that. So we didn't get $1 off, off um, the government because we, we were able to create this extra revenue stream, um, which worked so well. That was the, the first extra revenue stream that we did. Um, the second extra revenue stream is we, we thought about who else at the moment in this very um, quiet market is busy. And the people that were busy were hospitals. Hospitals were going gangbusters. They were double staffing. They were prepping for, you know, a massive um, um, COVID um, activity in their hospitals. And um, so, so I got in touch with the local hospitals of the area um, and I, I put a proposition to them. I said, well, can we help feed your frontline staff? We'll do it at a, at a close to basically cost rate. So it was, it was cost plus a very small margin. And what that did was it gave us the ability to feed the front line. Um, it gave us the ability to keep our staff on because they were busy. So what we did is we got a lot of large Friday um, lunch orders. And I'm talking about orders for about 200 serves every Friday, which wow. is a very good sort of serve. And that, and that kept the cash flows going for those locations. The other thing that we did is we said, well, what else is happening? Well, guess what? The, the sporting teams are relocating to Brisbane. So if you remember last year, and they've started to do it now with the NRL, all the AFL teams started to relocate to Brisbane and to the Gold Coast and to the Sunshine Coast. So we, we, we again, we, ha we hustled hard with, with the sporting teams and we tried to find a way to contact them. We found a way to contact them. And yes, they, they took us on, one of them, which was the Brisbane Lions. They took us on, the AFL Brisbane Lions took us on for a lunchtime um, um, carb loading um, lunch session. So we went with our 50 gnocchi over to um, the Gabba and and provided the gnocchi to them for a carb loading session. The word got around that there's something other than pizza that um, people can get before and, and, and after and after training days and, and, and games. And we started to supply the AFL team. So we from then we got the Suns, um, the Gold Coast Suns, we picked up the Melbourne teams that, that were then living in, um, in, in Brisbane and Gold Coast. So we created these three extra revenue streams. Number one, the home delivery. Number two, the hospitals. Number three, the AFL teams that we didn't even think about before COVID. So it was this necessity to keep our guys employed, to keep cash flows up, to not want to be just in another company that just whinged and moaned and just took JobKeeper. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to keep growing. And by getting out there and being a little bit more innovative with thinking about our, our sales channels, we were able to achieve that and keep cash coming in, keep growing, um, and put us in a position to, to really um, continue our path of, of, of sticking to uh, franchising. And then on the end of that, what was a long 12 months, we were able to open our first franchise location, which was um, which is New Farm in um, James Street on New Farm. That's fantastic. What a brilliant story. I know at the beginning of COVID there, you were, um, you know, you, you, were, um, you were pretty stressed, you know, with regards to supplies and your landlords. Everyone knew that leases were under pressure uh, and so on and so forth. A lot of publicity about that. So, did, did you manage to negotiate with these people? How did you find that experience? Um, I know people had varied sort of responses. We found that we, we were we were lucky and unlucky in some. So it, all the landlords that, thankfully, that we dealt with 
um, were quite generous in the first few months. Um, obviously, when they realised how busy we were <laughs> in Paddington, they were like, hey, guys, come on, you know, like what's going on here? Even though the rest of the street probably wasn't paying the rents that we were paying, um, we, we always kept up with our payments to those guys, always. Um, the South Bank Corporation that owns the South Bank Strip were incredibly generous. They're, they're basically government-owned government owned corporation, South Bank, um, the South Bank Corporation that own all of those shops and, and they lease out all of them. So they were incredibly generous and they waived the rents for probably about six months and then it went to half rent and then it kicked back into full rent. Um, so that, that, that allowed us to have a little bit more play um, because, you know, even though we were busy doing all these extra revenue items, um, besides Paddington, the rest of the of our network, we weren't hitting the figures that we were hitting before. We weren't we weren't 30% under, but we weren't 100% of what we were doing before. So it it all it all came down to just open dialogue. Luckily, we had landlords that understood business and understood cash flows and understood you know um, the stresses of of small business, um, and we worked with them. And now we've got a a stronger relationship with the landlords. We've got a strong relationship with our staff um, and likewise with our suppliers. Like a lot of the suppliers, particularly in food service, really struggled during that period because all these guys were going out of business and the last people to get paid were the the food service suppliers. So, um, so we, we were, we, we got a strong, we built a strong relationship with them during this time because we were actually paying our bills and we were still pumping along um, nicely. Brilliant. That's fantastic. I do know from an inside story that you sort of suspended your franchise activity through then because, uh, you know, cash flow and, and, uh, and the challenges of keeping on top of all those changes. But you came up with a fairly innovative way of actually expanding the group from the point of view of, I suppose, a, 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 a sort of a growth model for your staff members. Could you share a little bit about that with regards to your store openings and so on? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, with the we we believe Theo and I really believe in um, in team based goals, in team based achievements, and um, in order for us to attract the right people, um, we always in order for us to think about who would be the best franchisee, um, we we like people that can show us. Um, loyalty and um, and a proven experience. So um, it was actually one of our. I'll tell you the story about Jerry. Jerry is um, is currently our franchisee at South Bank, um, which is at, which is you know the first store that we opened outside of Paddington. He came to us as a um, Uber Eats delivery driver. Um, he was, this was, this was going back about four years ago, four and a half years ago. Um, he came in as Uber Eats delivery driver. There was something about this guy. He had this charisma about him at the time. Um, we were short staffed and we offered Jerry a job as a dishwasher. So Jerry washed dishes for us for six months. Um, he then, um, when, when, when a cook position came up because there's a lot of turnover in hospitality, when a cook position came up. He's, he rose to the challenge of being a cook, having not cooked before. Um, 
he killed that position. He did very, very well. Um, when the, the head chef position came up in Paddington, he assumed that role ne nearly naturally. Um, and he really had this knack for um, managing teams in a really fun um, way, in a very high-performance way. Um, so then when we thought about who's going to run and operate um, uh, South Bank, we thought, who better than, than Jerry? So we, we, we sat down with him. We decided to do it, to cut him in on a very small shareholding of the South Bank business um, on a, on a let's, let's, let's start like that. And then one day it can be a full-blown franchise for, for you, Jerry. So we started off like that. Um, it worked well. We couldn't have thought of anyone better. And he just ran the place in South Bank so well um, from day one. You've, you've seen, you've been there a number of times, Brian. Um, he runs that place better than probably what we could, you know, um, and just just at, at the ability to to put trusted people in those positions, um, we found that's the way that we we feel most comfortable in 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 partnering with with people. Just putting them in a in a in a position where they can prove themselves, and then they're ready for the next step. Um, and it's the same with with our other operators um, currently in in Southport and New Farm. Um, they've they've proven themselves. They've 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 got the credibility behind them now, and now they're ready for that second and third location. Right. So so people like Jerry, there's transition now into a franchise. Yes. Right. So um, and 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 our model really is to get people like Jerry, people like Jeff. Um, and 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 um, to get to that two and three locations um, network. So um, franchising is 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 great because because the the owner operators of the franchisees can have multiple locations, and um, it's much easier for for us um, if we have people that we can that we trust um, running three or four locations each as opposed to, you know, 20 different people running 20 different locations. Um, what we found just in this short period of being up and running is um, there's a lot of individual challenges per location. Um, but if you have a common person across those, then obviously it's a lot easier to manage and to solve and problem solve. So that's our model and our way forward is to create a franchise network which is probably only made up of about 10 to 12 um, franchisees, but each of those 10 to 12 franchisees have three or four outlets. And that's and we think that that's a very strong model to pursue. Yeah, excellent. No, it really, really makes a lot of sense based on your training and your support. Uh, keeps life simpler. It's actually, we always used to maintain at the Franchise Alliance that in your first, and this is from our own experience, within your first franchise, five franchisees, you get one who runs the business better than you. And it sounds like you pulled it with your Uber Eats driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. Okay. All right. So um, I suppose when we look at it, you chose franchising. Um, what, what are the three key takeaways for you and Theo from the point of view of you know, moving into franchising and growing your business, what are the sort of outcomes, the pros and cons and so on? If you give us three, maybe the three plum ones that you think were the most outstanding. I think with, fran well, I'm not sure if there's three, but I'll, I'll just off the top of my head with, with franchising and with business in general, like there's a lot of, between Theo and I, we can, we can run 
the business um, well, we can't run the business across multiple, multiple, multiple locations and territories and states with different teams. Um, we've currently got enough staff under our employee that um, we as, as um, company-owned stores want to have. Um, and, and the takeaway that franchising, well, the lesson that we learned from franchising is if you um, empower the franchisees to, um, to take on the business, to run it as good as yourself, um, it's a much smoother way to grow. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a trusted way to grow because they're all following exactly the same processes and procedures that we set up. The quality control is consistent because for us, that, that, that centralized kitchen allows for that quality control um, to play out. Um, and we get to train each and every location exactly the same way. So for us, it was a bit of a no-brainer. The second takeaway as to why we chose franchising is because the funding of um, restaurants is quite high as far as a barrier to entry goes. It's, it's quite expensive. We're talking about two to $300,000 to open a restaurant with the amount of equipment that you need with the right, you know, flooring, air conditioning, extraction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and on top of that, there's a massive bond lease that you have to pay. And on top of that, there's a bank guarantee you have to pay. So, you know, it's a $300,000 fit out, $300, fit out, but then there's also another, say, $50,000 or $60,000 in bond guarantees and um, in bonds and bank guarantees. So how would we fund that? Um, we could continue to do it ourselves, but the growth would be very slow. We could... Um, we could get a loan from the bank, but the banks don't want to lend money to small businesses like us. Um, this is when we first started. Um, or we could we could um, use the cash flows of the franchisee to fund the development of that's that, of those locations. And that's that's from a finance perspective the the, the smartest way we thought to proceed. Yeah, and it's obviously worked really well for you. Uh, you've, you've, you've done amazingly well in adverse conditions. So um, I suppose for people who are listening, um, that are perhaps they may already franchise also, but they're thinking about franchising as a way to grow their business. Is there any advice you'd give them at, you know, at the early stages, you know, while they're still running their own business or their concept and thinking about it? Yeah, I think I think if we had, a, if we had our time again, um, we would document our processes and procedures um, as much as possible before we actually um, started to um, get into franchising because franchising is all about procedure, process, documentation. There's, a, there's this operational manual which is basically a gospel upon which you will run the businesses. And it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I know, I know that. It's in my head. It's, it's in Theo's head. It's we have to get it out of your out of your head. We had to get it out of our heads, and you know, I'd imagine that the people that are that are listening, they know absolutely everything about their businesses, but it's not written down. It's not documented, and um, and it's so important to document, even if you don't think that you're going to re refer to that document again. You will in the near future when we get franchisees come on board because they'll want to see business plans. They'll want to see the training process. They'll want to see how you actually, you know, cook the gnocchi properly um, in, in a video format and a training format. 
Um, so yeah, just it just opened our eyes to the um, huge amount of procedure and and and, and process um, standardization and documentation that's needed um, in order to properly um, grow a business. Right. Now, I think we may have met at a franchise expo. Maybe you actually contacted us. I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, um, maybe you found us online. But you, you looked around, I know, at different options, you know, different range of franchise consultants. There's a few of us out there. What, what made you choose a structured program as opposed to the sort of conventional consulting model? Ben? Um. We we, we 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 met you. I'm not sure if you remember, but we met you um, at one of your weekend um, um, sessions. So down the Gold Coast, we came along to a weekend session with yourself and Prue, um, and we, just to get a feel for um, for both of you and 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 what it meant to franchise. And I think that that um, introduction. Um, and we sat down. We had lunch together. That introduction that made us feel comfortable. Um, you brought in a few of the people that we eventually ended up working with, some of the, the, the professionals, the lawyers, for example. You brought them in on that day. So um, Theo and I made the decision to proceed um, um, with your company instead in a structured way because we were incredibly busy ourselves. And, um, you know, yes, we could have done the pure consulting model, get someone in when you needed it, but... We just got the confidence that you could take us through the end-to-end process without us having to um, worry too much, and that's why we we chose the structured model. Um, and I think we chose this. What was, what was it called? The structured model on steroids. Um, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's pretty much right. Yeah, we added a spoonful of this and a spoonful of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was um, there was a do-it-yourself guide um, and option, and then there was a um, you know, we help you do it, guide, and I think we we chose the the easiest guide possible, which was the you, you help you help us as much as possible, um, guide. So we got we got a lot of Prue's time in in helping us develop the video material for the operational procedures and so on, and that that just meant that we didn't have to stress about this this massive undertaking, which was not our core business. Our core business is running uh, is produ- producing food, running restaurants. It's not documenting every single thing, talking to lawyers, talking to accountants. Um, that's something that became a lot easier um, because we engaged um, yourself. Okay. And, of course, you've got your cloud-based operations manuals, which you're still developing. I appreciate that. Um, that, that some of those things take a little bit of time. Just uh, um, anything else you'd like to add, there, Ben, before we wrap up? I think, um, I think it's just about... We have a very different business model. We have a we have a restaurants have been around for ages, but um, the concept of a gnocchia um, and the concept of a gnocchia chain is very um, novel. And if you have a novel idea, a different idea, you're going to have a lot of naysayers. You're going to have a lot of people saying, "No, that's not going to work." How the hell are you going to run a restaurant with one dish? Can't you see all the restaurants going out of business? Don't you know that the profit margins are so low in restaurants? You're going to have those types of people as we did. That gave us motivation to actually <laughs> um, to keep going it. and prove them wrong. And, and I, just, I just love proving naysayers wrong. Um, so if you have a good idea, you believe in it, just go and try it, try it, do it, get a proof of concept. For us, it was the markets. 
get a proof of concept going, and then you can take it to the next level and start really planning out um, how to expand. I think um, I think another thing, uh, another lesson is just to focus on one thing at a time. So our it is it is very um, challenging for me not to say yes to everything, and that's where Theo and I are very good business partners. Theo is a very very good business minds. He's a very level-headed guy. When I say, yes, let's do it, Theo's usually, oh, come on, let's think about it. Is it the right time? Should we wait six months and then do it? Um, so so focusing on one thing at a time and doing it really right is also another um, step as to, as, as to why we've been able to succeed, not taking on a second and third location until the second one's done. Then we take the third one on and let's really nail that, then take the fourth one on. Yeah, I do remember the workshop you came to, our Kickstart Weekend workshop, and just like most people, when we introduced you to the DISC profile, it was interesting with you and Theo because you you were a great pair. And I suppose that's a point that we tend to make to people is you can't go into business just as a pure entrepreneur. You need you need those people with the other balanced view of things that are going to pull you up and make you uh, make you think twice. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and that that disc profile, we've continued to use that for um, potential franchisees. And it's such a fantastic tool. We love it because it, it easily quickly tells you whether or not we can work with those types of people of that personality trait. Um, and, and, and whether they're, yeah, they're the type of candidate that we look for. Brilliant. Okay, so I think anyone that's listened to this, if you, if you can pop into a and there's Knocky Knocky Brothers. Uh, can you just read off the suburbs? I know you're growing in Sydney at this point. You're based primarily at the moment in, in, in southeast Queensland. But can you just tell us where your outlets are at the moment, Ben, just so that people can uh, – obviously, you've got your website. but uh... Yeah, sure, sure. So we, so in Sydney, we just opened in King Street. That's Newtown. Um, and we, we do plan to have um, a lot more sites down there, but Newtown in Sydney. Um, and in southeast Queensland, um, we're in um, Paddington, Southbank, um, Southport down the Gold Coast, New Farm. Um, and we've also got two takeaway model businesses, one in Westfield North Lakes and one in Westfield um, Carindale. Did I already say that? Yeah. So we've got, we've got seven locations at the moment. Fantastic. Um, I don't want to sound patronising. I'm so proud of you guys, what you've done and what you've, where you've come in the couple of years that we've known you. So um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what, what's the best way to do that, Ben? Um, they, can, they can either come through you, Brian, um, or they can just, like our details are all are on our website, knockynockybrothers.com.au. Um, okay. And um, including, you know, if you just call any of the stores and ask to get in touch with us, that's the, that's the best way. We're, we're very much hands-on owner-operator, so we're usually at one of the stores. Um, so, yes, or, or just through you. Maybe that's probably easier, Brian. Okay, cool. Well, it's been delightful chatting to you, Ben, and adding those elements to the story, which add the colour and the experience of people and make it such an intriguing conversation. So thank you, um, Ben Cleary-Corradini. We were indebted to you giving us your time. I really appreciate that. And I think everyone will say... Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. It's been a privilege having the opportunity to get to know you, Ben, and uh, hearing your words of wisdom. Um, so just in closing, um, I'd just like to say thank you, everybody, for joining us on this Franchise Radio Show. I'm signing off, looking forward to, uh, to talking with you again soon. And uh, I'll just say goodbye and leave Ben to wish his adieu um, from his side of the fence.
Yeah, thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Um, and please, um, anyone out there listening, if you want to come in and, and talk all things gnocchi and also all things small business and all things franchising, um, you know, it's, it's a passion of mine. So please make a booking at any of our locations and, and just ask for Ben to be there and, and I'll be there. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever time of day it is, and we'll speak again soon. Bye.